A lot of games to cover and a lot of things to talk about with regard to the Little Brass Bell, which is 75 years old. We learned the hard way this uh, week, but uh, we'll, we'll go over that a lot more here on our live show. Yes, we're doing a live of In the Huddle. Hey, we we can hear you. <laughs> we, yeah, can you hear me clunk no, around? This is a live show that they can hear yeah. everything you're doing over there. Okay, so don't don't think we can just cover this up in editing uh, like we always do. Yeah. Well, I'm got we got one, one, one handed. I got. I got oh. A friend here who's helping me out. So okay, you know, she, that explains. That's yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get stuff out of it. You know, let sleeping dogs lie is the old saying. And so, you know, what am I going to do? Wow. That, that's taking it to a new extreme right there. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, here's our order of events. Uh, we're going to go over the games to watch uh, for week three. Uh, we are going to focus in on the Little Brass Bell for a little bit with our friends at Wheaton, Luke and Braden Anthony. Yes, they are brothers on that football team. And then we're going to uh, pretty much do our predictions for 10 minutes, give or take. Uh, so We're trying to shoot for less than. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, good luck. I, I think we have too many yeah. games uh, for that to happen. So anyway, let's uh, focus in very quickly here. Uh, we uh, did uh, show some news from D3 Playbook uh, that uh, Union and RIT, but uh, Union is the only one that has a football team uh, in Division Three, had applied for financial aid for athletics-based uh grants and aid, essentially, uh, from the NCAA's uh, Division Three Management Committee, and they were denied uh, based on uh, the history of uh, what the decisions have been uh, with respect to that for Division Three institutions. Specifically, they were doing this for Division One ice hockey for both of those schools. Uh, interesting that they were uh, not uh, given uh, any opportunity there. It's not to say that it's a final decision or they can't be pursued otherwise, but uh, Union, there have been rumors along the way that Division One hockey might be something that, that they look at maybe returning to Division Three along the way uh, because of the cost of Division One hockey. And uh, we'll see where this all goes here because that affects the entire athletics program at a school like Union. Your other schools that have the uh, grandfathers are St. Lawrence, Clarkson, which is not in football, obviously, RPI. Uh, Hobart has lacrosse and yep. Johns Hopkins does as well for those uh, that are uh, wondering other sports or other cases where the yeah, grandfather the, exists. Yeah, well, well, Hopkins though is, is grandfather. They definitely can't allow scholarships whereas schools like Hobart cannot in lacrosse. So, Yep. If you didn't have them in 2004, essentially, uh, the ruling or the minutes say you're not going to get them now. So. Uh, you're kind of stuck. Either you're going to have to return to a uh, Division three structure entirely if you uh, think that the uh, cost and benefits aren't meeting what they should be, or uh, you're going to have to just uh, suck it up and maybe have less chance to get the upper-level players if they're looking for those scholarships, etc. 
So uh, it, interesting uh, to see that. We'll, uh, we thank D3 Playbook for uh, their uh, coverage, uh, and also uh, they uh, give us a uh, shout every now and then, I know, so thank you to them. Yeah. Okay, uh, games of the week uh, to watch here. I'll let you take us through them. Well, as we've said uh, you know, earlier, you know, RPI versus WPI, kind of an annual uh, trophy game. <laughs> we'll be talking about another trophy game that involves a bell a little later. Uh, but in Region 1, um, Engineers versus Engineers on, on Saturday, I think at 2 o'clock should be a good one. And then Mass Dartmouth has a chance to, to make a claim of, as the top of the Mass CAC. Framingham State has started off 0-2. Uh, the Corsairs uh, a 2-0 and, and looking pretty strong, even with a backup quarterback. And then finally, the uh, Middlebury versus Williams, the NESCAC season opener. There's four other games, but this is a this was one that ultimately kind of ended up being um, about the about the, the championship with Middlebury finishing nine and zero last year and Williams uh, finishing seven and two. Should be a great kickoff for both of these programs. Down in uh, Region 2, or over in Region 2, rather, uh, Springfield heads over to Schenectady to play Union and what's become a, a good rivalry there. Uh, can the Dutchman's high-powered offense keep clicking, or will Springfield rack up the 495 rushing yards they had against Rowan in Week 2? Um, down in New Jersey, Salve Regina travels to take on Montclair State, who's looking for a win. It'll be their first home game in a long time. And I also understand it's Coach Giancola's birthday, Frank, so um, you'll have to wish him a very happy b birthday from all of us. I, I think the it, the cat's kind of gotten out of the bag that you will be in attendance for that one. Um, so all of those um, Seahawks and, and Red, it's it's the battle of the Hawks, the Seahawks against the Red Hawks, uh, the Hawk Bowl. Maybe they need to make a trophy for that. But And then finally in the nightcap, uh, Western New England versus Utica is an interesting matchup, uh, pitting the kind of the top team in the CCC, at least you know historically. Um, I think Endicott will have something to say about that in a few weeks. But for now, the Golden Bears have been the, the team to beat in, in New England, and they're traveling out to, to Utica to try out some of the, the riggies and greens and all that good stuff um, in, in upstate New York. Randolph-Macon plays uh, Bridgewater in the opening of ODAC play. Carnegie Mellon, Grove City, Westminster at Case Western kicks off a pretty strong slate of pack games this weekend. And then over in Region 4, we have some interesting matchups between Hanover and Albion. Uh, Platteville is taking on Franklin. Uh, Wooster is against uh, Ohio Wesleyan. And then as we get down to the sort of the right-hand corner here, the, the games that really jump out, North Central versus Wheaton at 7 p.m. Eastern. That will be a 6 Central kickoff. And then Barry versus Whitewater um, in an interesting matchup between an SAA and a WIAC team. Um, Hendricks is going to play Howard Payne at a neutral site in, in Texas. That's another um, Saturday night kickoff. And then for you diehard um, red-eye fans on the West Coast, Linfield is going down to Southern California to take on Redlands. This is typically a game that we've seen in the past in the first round of the NCAA playoffs sometimes. Um, and so that'll be on at 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. Pacific. And just a, just a great slate of games here in week three, starting to see the last of the out-of-conference matchups and some of the beginning of some really important in-conference games that, that will really start to count towards that race for the conference titles and Pool A bids. I'm looking at quick hits from D3Football.com that just got released. Uh, and oh, upset okay. uh, pick is uh, Greg says Union. Pat says Union. Uh, Adam says Randolph-Macon. 
Ryan says, Chapman, I say what I will tell you about in predictions coming up. <laughs> and uh, Bob uh, Quillman says, Whitworth uh, against Claremont Mud Scripps. So we'll see uh, how that all goes there. Um, so let's uh, take a little bit of a look here. Uh, you uh, pointed out the Little Brass Bell game, which is number four versus number five on the D3Football.com top 25 rankings. Yeah. Uh, North Central at number four, Wheaton at number five. Uh, in Region 5. It has implications uh, galore. The loser is probably uh, looking at a Pool C bid uh, opportunity. The winner is looking probably at the Pool A bid in the CCIW, although there are other teams that will have something to say about all that uh, through the rest of the season. So we'll see uh, where it goes from there, but I understand that uh, there is a lot of gravity in this game, not just from national implications with rankings and all that and Whatnot, but a lot of playoff implications this early in the season. And uh, if the team that loses the game doesn't run the table, they are likely not going to get a playoff bid, but they are probably an heir apparent to a Pool C bid based on how the CCIW is viewed after what happened in 2019. So that's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that all plays out. Uh, We brought in... Luke and Braden Anthony, uh, who are the quarterback and defensive linemen and uh, Wheaton seniors, brothers, and uh, we want to talk to them about what happened in 2019 to them. Specifically, uh, remember the spike after the touchdown by Jake Hibben that led to a missed extra point. In fact, we'll see it here uh, coming up in a second. And uh, it caused them to lose 34-33 to St. John's. Uh, when the extra point was missed. We wanted to talk to them about the idea, hey, it's been, you know, how many days uh, between that event and when you could play your first game a little while ago? Uh, Did that sort of just kind of get stuck in your craw, that whole situation? And how does it play out in terms of your mood uh, and desires here uh, in 2021? And here's what the answer was. Yeah, I mean, that... Day feels like yesterday. Um, I mean, obviously, in that game, there was a numerous amount of things we did wrong. Um, you can't really define it on that one play. Uh, and then since that day, you know, we really, you know, the 24-hour rule, we moved on pretty quickly, started preparing for the 2020 season. And then I think it was uh, sometime late July, um, we got the notification that our season was going to be canceled due to COVID. And so obviously a lot of people were uncertain because especially the older guys, we didn't really know how we were going to do, um, come back for, uh, with credits and everything. So a lot of people were, you know, trying to decide if they go into the workforce or if they push it back, push your life back for a full year. And so that was a very tough time. And then we actually ended up having, you know, a majority of our, I guess, my class of so fifth years, and then also a lot of six years coming back. And we just, you know, we trained for a, a lot of days. And I think it was like 650 before uh, or two weeks ago for our last game. And it was just really a big mental barrier and having to like, you know, just hope that this season does happen because with these new COVID issues, we, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with times today. And so we're just really grateful that we got this opportunity to have a season this year. Along those lines, Braden, uh, just to kind of uh, pivot off that, uh, what were the conversations internally about trying to get some of the what would have been seniors last year to come back, especially on the defensive side that you're on? Um, 
just to get those guys back, I know I know they wanted to play. I know like the last game in the in 2019 season, it was just like a like they were all down, but they knew they wanted to come back and just to like have another chance to play football again, which was a big thing. And just like with the amount of guys also coming back was also a reason why they wanted to come back too. Just like all like we had a bunch of starters coming back. Um, and yeah, going off what Luke said too, just like our theme, like steadfast through the storm, that just like our, the past two years, which is like, you're, you're in the storm, um, just with COVID and everything. So that like, the, I just think like the theme and like the defensive guys were just like pushing harder in the weight room and yeah. You guys know what it takes to beat a team like North Central. And, you know, if you look back on that box score, you know, Luke, you, you threw for three touchdowns once the game was tied up 21 all, uh, I believe. And, and um, even though it doesn't seem like you're uh, in the receiver, that a couple of those passes is, is still, you know, he probably graduated no longer on the team. Um, and the defense had something like, I don't know, 10 tackles for loss, lots of sacks. I think they sacked Rudder about seven times. You guys know what it takes to, beat a team like North Central. Um, does that tape help you guys or because the cast of characters is so ch different now, you really just have to take the tape from their last game against Aurora and just sort of go from there? Mm -hmm. um, I'd say our tape from 2019 is definitely a uh, big learning uh, thing. There's always things you can do better um, in every game. So we really just, you know, watch a lot from that. And then obviously they, they're one game in, we're one game in. So there's definitely a lot of uncertainty uh, between both teams because there's a lot of new names. But we're just, you know, whatever the coaches, our schemes, we're just going to execute and then, you know, play our butts off. And it's really what it comes down to. And, Braden, in the similar light, uh, you look at last week and they're putting up a 60 spot, basically, uh, against the team that we really thought would give them a challenge in terms of Aurora and that offense was just purring at all uh, points and times it seemed like uh, I mean what do you what do you learn about that is this the same team you feel like from two years ago that your team beat or is this a team that's maybe even upgraded from uh, that point from what you can tell um I can't really tell yet like just like they, we each have only played one game um like we're both like competitive teams and i just feel like uh, it's gonna be a great game i feel like it's gonna go b both ways of course and like they're they're definitely gonna make some plays and we're gonna make some plays but um yeah i just i think it's just gonna come down to like com competitiveness whoever wants to win how did it feel to be back uh, for you guys? Uh, Braid, we'll start with you on this one. How did it feel, what was the Northwestern Minnesota 56-0, I think was the score in that game. Uh, and, you know, just similarly, you guys are purring at all times, it seems like in that game. But I mean, did it feel weird to you to be back in a field after so long with the CCIW pretty much opting out of the spring? And, you know, how, what did you kind of gain from that game? Was it kind of a sense of relief, or give us give us your overview of you know lacing it up for the first game after six hundred and fifty ish days, as Luke said. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was like the big thing was just being able to play football. That was the most fun thing, and just being around like a great group of guys on the defense that just love the game. 
um, just to be able to play with them, which was like a big thing because the whole like whole spring we got like it was like all COVID issues and stuff. Just like there was no games, it was just practice, and I feel like the game atmosphere was a big thing. Um, and also just yeah, it was just also awesome being out on the field, and uh, yeah, like we're we're looking forward to playing North Central, which is going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, guys. I mean, uh, oh, sorry, Gary. Go ahead, Luke. Uh, yeah, I mean it was definitely surreal. Um, you know, it was really nice. I mean, I guess not so much for me because no one really, I don't really hit anyone, or no one really hits me. But it was nice for our guys, you know, hit someone else besides our own teammates because um, we've been doing that because in the spring we had our first uh, like pad practice and, you know, just smashing heads with each other, your teammates. It's a lot different feeling when it's another team. So that was really nice. And it just, you know, it felt surreal. It's like, wow, we're like, hey, we're, the day's finally come. We're finally back playing, not against each other, but against another opponent. It was really awesome. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of bashing, bashing heads, I know that sometimes um, you know siblings can kind of get after it a little bit, and you know it can be it can be competitive. Um, but one of the things I thought was really interesting about the the Thunder roster, not just you guys, but there's like three or four other pairs of, of brothers on your team. Is that it seems kind of unique in a way? I, I can't recall seeing this many guys um, on the same team that are related to each other, you know, maybe not the same, same class years and all that, but is that, is this, is it something about the program that, that, you know, families really, you know, the, 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 what, what kind of got you guys initially interested in, in, you know, basically kind of coming home because you originally from Wheaton, uh, you grew up there and then you, you went off to, I think, uh, uh, Dayton for a little bit to, um, you know, try that, but you ultimately came home and, and, and you're together, but you're also together with a bunch of other, you know, guys um, with their brothers. Is this sort of a cultural thing for the Thunder or is it something else? Um. I guess like it, just like being able to play with your brothers, like a, a big thing. Just like playing with your family, even though, like a whole football team is family. But just like the culture around Wien, like it brings people together. Just like playing, like glorifying God on the field, which is like a big thing. Um, like wanting to play football at where like the coaches represent um the Lord big time, which is a big thing that like it call it calls your family together. It brings your um, just like and also like being able to play with like Luke, who's also a big thing, um, and playing football, um, and like the other guys on the team that have brothers. Um, pretty sure they would say the same thing. It was just just want to play for like a college that like loves the Lord, um, and just playing around with like a, like everyone who like great group of guys who just come together and just love the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, going off that, I mean, I think the number one uh, number one thing that brings everyone on our football team is like for Christ in His Kingdom. Um, that's a big part of our team, you know, to develop spiritually with the guys around us and you know be disciples for the Lord. So I think that's a number one attractor for a majority of the guys. And obviously, there's a lot of family tradition here. Um, like me and Bray, we both have a lot of our family. We have two uncles that played football. Um, our cousins also on the team and then you know it's just kind of like a big family tradition where you know a lot of people on the team have uncles 
or their parents went to Wien. And it's just, you know, everyone's attracted to, you know, forming um, their own uh, their own spirit with uh, the Lord and then being a disciple for him and just really being around Christian men is really, you know, just awesome. This team is a force to be reckoned with. Your ranking shows that. Has there ever, has there been any feeling, though, I, You we were talking to Coach Thorne a couple of weeks ago about this question of respect level when it comes to polls and rankings and this and that and the other thing. Braden, you guys were picked to win the CCIW, which is strange to some people because the team uh, that you're above won the championship in 2019. But at the same time, you know, you guys are not ranked nationally above them, uh, depending on what you look at, maybe one to two spaces uh, differ. Is there kind of a feeling of respect that is going to come with this game for whoever wins it, that you're fighting for that level of respect, not just necessarily uh, first place in the CCIW? Um, yeah, I mean, we both respect each other. We both respect North Central, and they respect us, of course. Um, and just like a big thing, like coming out is like the bell. Like it's ding-dong week, which is really big for Wien and North Central. Just like the winner who gets the bell. And that's like that's a big respect, um, I guess. And, um, yeah, I mean, rank, rankings rankings don't mean anything yet which I believe, um, which is a big thing. And, yeah, but I know both teams respect each other. Ding-dong week. That has, a, that has a good ring to it. Um, guys, tell us a little bit about this, you know, what this rivalry really is. I mean, there, there are certainly trophy games across college football, um, you know, all over the place. Uh, but what does this one particularly mean? What's sort of the history behind it? And what is the ultimate trophy, this this bell, all about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the bell, I mean, there's obviously a lot of rivalries um, across the country for Division One, Division Two, II, Division III. Um, You know, I think this is one of the biggest rivalry games for D3 um, just because of the national implications that uh, both us and our Central have had throughout the past few years. And, I mean, I don't know when the bell started, but I know it's been going around for a while. I mean, it's just, you know, it's really just like, a, a, you know, no one wants to give up the bell, just like any uh, rivalry where there's um, a trophy or some sort of material at hand. And, you know, it's just, it's always awesome when you're going against your rival and also one of the top teams in the country, you know, it just gets the excitement going and, we're just excited for this weekend. It'll be a good one. Guys, since I'm an old guy, I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's a 75-year-old uh, bell at this point. Uh, 1946, a little brass bell was deemed the uh, trophy for this game. And uh, that I think if you add up uh, your ages and my age, we might get there to 75, <laughs> but it's close. It's very close. But uh, it, it's a big rivalry for sure. And as you said, Luke, with the implications of how your teams are viewed nationally, it carries even more right now. So I expect to see a full house. Uh, it's at Wheaton, I believe, uh, unless I'm reading it wrong. So uh, home cooking may uh, the be important there. Yeah, under the lights and everything else. So it's gonna be a great atmosphere for you guys. But before we get to that game, 
uh, as is our tradition here on In the Huddle, we want to give you both the opportunity to send shout-outs to any family, friends. <laughs> this is kind of this could be the most redundant thing that we've ever had on our show, but family, friends, coaches, uh, etc. That might be uh, watching. Uh, Luke, we'll start with you, then go with Braden, but don't steal all of Braden's thunder here because uh, he, you know, we want him to have some fresh material. Go ahead. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I'll shout out. I mean, our mom and dad, and you know, our sister um, and our youngest brother. I'm just really thankful for them. Shout out to grandparents. Uh, I think a lot of our family will be in attendance for the game. Um, you know, shout out to coaches. Uh, you know, just really excited for this weekend. I mean, I mean yeah, you took all my <laughs> shout outs. Um, family, yeah, coaches especially, yeah, but especially like the whole defense. Shout out to them. Uh, I know we're going to play off, play, um, play hard really hard I just know that just being around like the um three other D, D linemen Jake River um Dallas I know they shout out to them they've been such great role models to me um and yeah you took all my other shout outs I guess yeah family. well you know, I, I'm gonna throw a flag on this whole thing uh, first off brother and sister want their names out there so brother and sister's names are uh Nikki is the youngest and then uh my sister's Mackenzie. She's actually at Baylor playing soccer right now. Oh, tremendous. Oh, cool. uh, good luck to her. Oh. Uh, and then number two, Luke, you got to name the offensive lineman. Uh, just because you might have to feed them on occasion, yeah, which not, probably not, makes you bankrupt. I mean, go ahead. <laughs> you know, looking back, um, I really kind of messed up that shout out. But definitely shout out to, you know, Jake Hibben, um, Paul Fay, uh, Gabe McGill, Trevor Gabriel, and Graham Wall. Um, I love those guys, you know. Wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do anything um, without them. They really are what make the offense run, um, pass game, run game, all of the above. Without them, we would not be where we are at right now. Well, uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, that uh, little brass little brass bell game, easy for me to say, J.B. Ding-dong week was my favorite term that came from that. And... Um, Speaking of ding-dongs, that might have been you and me because we didn't quite track down the names. Unfortunately, I think their uncle Joel mentioned that uh, not only are these two guys, you know, brothers playing together, but their cousins, who they mentioned, are Giovanni Weeks and Jalen Schaefer. So, once again, just one big happy family there in Wheaton, Illinois, uh, with a huge game on Saturday night. Ding-dong week, here we go. Indeed. Uh, we have a, a question, actually, for a Region 6 team uh, or a team playing in Region 6 uh, technically this week. We'll put it that way because normally yeah, it would be Region 3, three team, team. I think is what it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically the home team is how we uh, divide the regions out for those that are wondering here uh, how this is all lined up. Uh, our go scientific ahead, JB. What's our uh, question? All right. Well, we, we got a question from Gary Barnett who asked us, did you see a difference in the teams that were playing their second game of the season against teams playing their first game and the teams who were both playing their second game of the season? That's a lot of okay, well, first so and second. Let, let's do that again now. Uh, I'm slow on a Friday like this. We got a lot of things going on. So uh, so remember this, Frank. We had, we had teams that played uh, in week one and then they played in week two. And then there were also teams that played in week one but didn't play in week two. And then we also had teams that didn't play in week one and, you know, 
and so on and so forth. So we have we've had some teams with two games. We've had some teams with one game, for instance. So like in the in the for instance here, um, uh, Hendricks going to, to Howard Payne. Howard Payne is two and zero. Hendricks had their first game canceled in, in week one. They played their week two game against River Falls. Didn't go their way. So on and so forth. So the old adage is teams that make the most improvement from game one to game two. And so he was wondering if that rang true this past weekend. Well, let's look at Aurora versus North Central. Uh, North Central had no game under their belt. Aurora had one game, a very good game against St. John's under their belt. And you guys mm-hmm. know the results of that. That was a 60-point-ish uh, drubbing, uh, basically, yeah. by the team that had no five. games. I'm curious to see how Heidelberg does this weekend, having played no games so far because of a double cancellation for them. That'll be an interesting, I think, test yeah. of the whole... Uh, when you're in the clubhouse for too long, what happens to you scenario. Uh, I, I was tempted to pick them as a, a team that could be upset this week or something to watch on the uh, quick hits, but I did not. I, I think they're still good enough to beat who's in front of them this weekend. So my answer is I used to think there was uh, an important difference, and maybe in the first quarter of the uh, first game for a team that hasn't played for a week or for a season, it does. But at the same time, I think overall, these teams, when they're evenly matched, know to come out and play strong. So uh, Hendricks, this will be uh, interesting to see if they can bounce back. I'm not going to lie. I thought they were going to do a lot better than they did last week, and that was disappointing to see for the uh, Warriors. Yeah, and and Howard Payne is no slouch. I mean, they're averaging close to, you know, over 500, maybe even 600 yards uh, per game on offense. Uh, can put up a lot of points. And, you know, the one other X factor, Frank, that we really just don't have visibility on, and, and for good reasons, you know, COVID. We don't know what teams are having to leave, you know, 10 starters at home um, because they tested positive on a Friday and maybe they're not playing with the proverbial full deck of cards that they would have otherwise. So there could be some some games, some upsets or losses in this case where we just – you know, we don't really know, um, you know, why they tested positive or not or whatever, uh, but there are going to be definitely some teams that will be impacted by these COVID protocols, and it's going to vary week to week. You ready? Yep, let's see if we can actually keep it under 10 minutes. <laughs> You know how it works. I'll name the first game. You go first. I'll start the clock once the game's named. Uh, it's on the screen, but I'll just give you some extra thinking time to get this ready and done. So uh, here we go. Good luck, JB. Uh, after a 7-5 and five and 7-5 and five weekend last weekend, let's do better. First game, Middlebury at Williams. Go. I mean, the Eves and Bobby Marin and company winning this game wouldn't surprise me, particularly since they're the home team. But I'll go with the defending champs. My dad's a Middlebury grad, so I got a little, you know, implicit bias there. Panthers win in another close call, 31-27. to That might have even been the score from two years ago, but it, it was close. <laughs> Coach Raymond and company get some revenge on this whole Middlebury wins the NESCAC thing last time around. Uh, two years away is a long time, and they didn't do much in the NESCAC uh, in terms of the spring or the fall or anything else uh, from what we understand. So I'm going to say Williams wins this game 
24 in a barn burner. Uh, trust me in the fact that as I move things around on my screen to get this next one up, the game is the <laughs> Transit Trophy game. Uh, RPI, yes. WPI. I will go first, the Transit Trophy. Uh, Boy, it's tough because WPI would want to say uh, showed themselves well against Endicott, except for what happened in the last minute and the COVID stuff may have affected them. But it's it's the first game where RPI families will actually be able to be in the stands to watch their kids play. Think about that what for a concept. second. Yeah, uh, masked up, I believe, but hey, they'll take it. I know they will. Uh, so RPI ends up winning this game. Uh, this thing usually uh, tests those lights in the scoreboard, as we always say, 37-34. Well, except for that one year, Frank, when I think WPI won on two field goals, 6-3. to three. So, Yes, um, yeah, good we've, point. We've seen, we've seen both teams uh, in action. We know WPI had some players that missed that Endicott game. Maybe they're back this week. Maybe not. Um, I will take the engineers from Rensselaer to win a close call, um, sort of like what they did last week. Uh, 17 to 14, I think a field goal will decide it. I, I, I was curious to see, you know, what was going to happen there, or what you are going to say and everything else uh, about uh, RPI, and if we're going to have two games different. we got to keep going here, though. Salve Regina at Montclair State, uh, which is uh, somewhat behind me here, I believe. Yep, there are old posters yeah, behind the, me. There's the poster. Yep. Yep. The Hawk Bowl. Uh, Exactly, and you go first. Boy, uh, a third of the Seahawks are from New Jersey. It's a homecoming game. Um, Montclair is the home team, should have an advantage, but their offense hasn't scored a touchdown in eight quarters of football. This is the defense who's been scoring points. So I'll go with Joey Moriello and company um, to win this in a slugfest. It'll be a lot of running, a lot of power football. 28-21, to 21, I think. Montclair will finally get on the board, but I think uh, Montclair has the defense uh, that Salve hasn't seen yet. I, it's been a, a generally potent defense. We saw what they did it against has. RPI generally, uh, scoring three touchdowns. In fact, uh, so I think it's going to be a good game. I just I think Montclair may get this one, thirty-one twenty-eight in favor of Montclair State. Speaking of CCC teams, let's go to one that's playing at Utica. That's Western New England at Utica. And uh, it's tough to beat Blaise Fagiano's team at home. Uh, I, I think Utica right now is becoming one of my possible favorites to at least be up there in the Empire 8 now that we've seen Brockport come down. Uh, now, Cortland obviously has a lot to say about this. Uh, Alfred, I don't see too much greatness coming from right now. That could change, obviously. But Utica is a team that I think is going to be there. And so I think this is a good test for them. Uh, remember, uh, Western New England and Brockport played in 2019 in the playoffs, and it was a good back-and-forth matchup. Uh, a lot of things have changed for both teams, except for Adam Raza uh, on the offense, who had a great touchdown in that game. I was just looking back at that uh, game the other day. Utica wins yeah. this. Um, 27-20. Well, I will go with, uh, there's another hat behind me. I, I probably can't see it, but I'll take the Golden Bears from New England. I'll stay true to my New England roots. There's my grandmother's Red Sox jersey over my shoulder. Oop, wrong way, James. Remember how it works. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Western New England. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. 
Uh, but the Golden Bears will outlast uh, the Moose 31 to 35. Wait, 35-31. Sh- oh, sorry. Clock shrinking on us. Uh, Randolph-Macon at Bridgewater. Go. Uh, Randolph-Macon is probably going to start slow but win big in the second half. I'll take uh, take the Jackets to win this one 42-28. to 28. Randolph-Macon wins uh, 35-21. Next game up is going to be the big one in the pack, Westminster at Case Western Reserve. I think Westminster's defense got enough tests to see what they need to be like and play like in a game like this when they face Mount Union. Uh, It's going to be tough to win on the road, no doubt, against Case, but I I just have a feeling here that we're going to have a good tight game that Westminster pulls out 21 to 20 over Case Western Reserve. This is another one where you don't really know what the status of Westminster's two star wide receivers. If they play, that's one thing. If they don't, that's another. Um, I do feel like Drew Saxon and company at home, they have something to prove. They were left on the sidelines. I think they are going to win a close call at the end, 28 to 24. And we got to, Oh boy, we got the union hat coming out. Here we go. Yeah, you know, there comes a point where you do have to go back to the norm, uh, especially in Springfield week. I should have done this a while ago. Uh, Carnegie Mellon at Grove City. This is yours. Tough call, man. I think um, I think Carnegie Mellon's a little more battle tested than Grove City, even though they have such a huge home crowd advantage. So I'm going to take the Tartans um, to play spoiler a little bit here because they looked better in the spring a little. Uh, they didn't get to play as much, and, and Grove City struggled. I will take the Tartans in a low-scoring um, 21-17 battle. Grove City wins this one at home. They're just tough to beat at home, and they'll fall behind yeah. and come and pull miracle endings all the time. And uh, miracle endings uh, is something they probably love to hear. Uh, Coach Fidonato and company there. Uh, 27-23 in favor of Grove City. Albion at Hanover. Hanover disappointed us uh, recently, and I just have a feeling here that they're going to bounce back at home after that road trip that they faced last go-around. I think Hanover wins a very high offensive output game, 41-34. I think this that game is actually at Albion. <laughs> that's my bad because I, I I filled it out incorrectly. Yeah, um, that's the case. So, I I get a do over. Hold on, I'm gonna check this yeah. while you talk. Then. Yeah, I thought I sent you a text about that. Oh, uh, you did. You did, and switched. actually, I, I, we changed okay. that on one thing, but not the other thing. So we'll we'll get this right. Okay, so if that's the case, I'm still gonna pick uh, Hanover uh, by the same score. But I'll tell you, it's it's gonna be it's a tough game. Yeah, I, I just feel like Albion looked really strong in the spring. They've started off this fall really strong as well. I think the Britons are going to be a tough team to beat um, in their conference and, and otherwise. So I will take them to win um, 35 to 24. Two minutes. North Central, Wheaton, Lil Brass Bell. Ding dong. Whose turn is it? You. <laughs> I'll go with the I'll go with the champs. They just look too impressive in that uh, game against Aurora. Um, no disrespect to Wheaton, um, but you know until until somebody knocks off the Cardinals, they're the best in my opinion. Um, we'll see what happens. I think they'll hang on to win, 31-28. I picked it in quick hits. I will pick it here. Wheaton wins with Luke Anthony's arm and legs behind right. them. 
uh, by the score of 27-24. Barry at Wisconsin Whitewater. Look, Barry, you're doing a great thing by playing this game and going up there. By all means, you're not going to win it, but congratulations for going up there nonetheless. And Coach K, I think, has the same knowledge and thought, having been around the national landscape long enough now. Wisconsin Whitewater wins this game by the score of... Uh, 42-20. Yeah, I'm hoping that it ends up being like the Salisbury game, uh, maybe 31-14 as far as like competitive goes. But I will also take the Warhawks uh, in this one at all. Hendricks at Howard Payne, go. 30 seconds. Too much off. Too much offense for Howard Payne. Um, I think they will hang on to win this one in the shootout. It'll be uh, 35 to 21 HPU. Hendricks comes back, bounces back in this game. There's no way they're losing two in a row, uh, and uh, especially in the nature they did with the last game. They are focused now, and they're going to win this game. 31-21. Linfield at Redlands. My upset special, Linfield is going to lose this game, I believe. I just have a feeling here that Redlands is going to win no against wow. number 11, Linfield. Uh, Redlands has been playing decent football, not the greatest of football, but I, I don't know. This may be one of those, uh, hey, only uh, one uh, one game under your belt versus two games under your belt scenarios that plays out uh, decently uh, like that. I, Redlands at home, in the night uh, sky and everything else. I just feel like this is an upset in the making. Redlands wins this game. Uh, Low-scoring game, 21-17. Wow, interesting. Because I thought that the, the sort of the coaching turmoil at Redlands might... I don't know if it's going to mess them up or not, but I, I feel like Linfield has just been a core team that's been working on really hard since the end of 2019. I'll take them to win. I think they're going to win this one big, 45-21. to We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not picking against Union, obviously, uh, as my uh, cohorts at D3Football.com have uh, seemed to do. That was the consensus-ish pick uh, by them uh, there. So uh, that is not going to be what I do here. But look, uh, week three is going to be one of those defining weeks, we think, in terms of were certain things we saw in the first couple of weeks anomalies, like the Hendricks situation. I mean, that, that was not yeah. something we expected to see. Uh, Springfield beating Rowan the way they did. Uh, you know, are they going to be able to beat back on Union, who won with a 60 spot themselves uh, a week ago? A little brass bell game. You have to, both teams uh, playing lights out. So who's the one that's going to stand up here and show themselves as the true team between those two? Uh, NESCAC play coming to be. RPI and WPI. Can't define either one of those teams right now. That'll be an interesting game to see who's left standing after that. But, JB, it's going to be a good week. I'm going to be at Morrisville tonight and then at uh, Montclair tomorrow. So, Mo and Mo, uh, basically. Mo, uh, Mo. <laughs> yeah, Mo, Mo. Uh, and then uh, I'll be refing uh, tomorrow night. I wish I could go to the Union uh, Springfield game, but schedule won't allow this week. I will get to Union soon, as we said earlier in uh, the week. But uh, last thoughts here on week three from you, sir. Well, like we've been saying this whole past week, you know, this is when we start to see the, the transition from out of conference games into conference games. And let's be honest, is, uh, you know, the, the Wheaton and NCC, the fact that it's a conference game with pool A implications, same thing with Westminster in case, 
these are huge games. And that the fact that they're happening in week three is is kind of awesome in a way that's so early on. But it's also like it's a head scratcher because, you know, whoever loses those games, their season isn't definitely over. Uh, I mean, there's going to be five pool C bids. And I, I can almost guarantee you, Frank, that whoever ends up second place in the WIAC um, is, is probably getting one. Same thing with the CCIW. Now, would the pack get an extra look? Eh. Tough call. Who knows? Tough call. Yeah. But it, we'll you said the a, pool A uh, implications. I'd say pool A and pool C implications because at least it starts well, to yeah. shape the way we look at uh, pool C a little bit. If these are routes, that will count toward the uh, assessment later on. If these are close games that they lose, then that will count as well in their favor, the team that needs the pool C bit ultimately. So keep your eye yeah. on that stuff. Uh, it's obviously early in the season. Things can be forgiven from the first quarter of the season-ish uh, that we see. But at the same time, this is pretty big stuff. And uh, we can't underscore it enough here. We'll see what we end up with throughout the weekend. Obviously, check Twitter for the games I'm covering and for JB's uh, coverage uh, from his uh, easy chair at home uh, as he gets all those videos and uh, whatnot up and gives you the stats and retweets things. He does an incredible job on our uh, D3FB huddle handle and on our Instagram page as well. And then, uh, yes, that one right there. You got it. The watch mine right here uh, for uh, those game updates uh, from uh, Morrisville State tonight, Montclair State tomorrow, and then uh, we'll have our show. We're going to aim for uh, either Monday late or Tuesday early uh, to get our scoreboard show up uh, and highlight show up this time, crunch time segment uh, for next week. So little by little, we're trying to get this organized uh, as we play catch up with our lives after well, we the first couple juggle weeks. With, yeah, we juggle with life. And speaking of you know juggling with life, Frank, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that um, – you know, I know you you suffered a, a loss. The Union uh, College family suffered a loss this week, and um, so uh, hopefully, you know, you're doing okay. And and if you have any um, you know words you'd like to to say, I think you know we we'll dedicate this uh, this weekend um, to your colleague there, um, fellow alum or, or what have you. And I'll, I'll let you take it from here to take us out. Yeah, Ben Goodhue died from uh, brain cancer, 46 years old, basically in my graduating class at Union College, went on to be an assistant coach at Springfield, uh, and then went into high school coaching and teaching as well. Uh, it's ironic that Springfield is playing at Union with his death occurring this week. Uh, very sad, uh, but as I said on Facebook, uh, Ben did not lose cancer because in the process of all this, he helped get a lot of us who had lost touch with each other back together even during COVID and this last uh, stint to raise money and support him. Uh, $75,000 was raised on GoFundMe uh, for his family, knowing that it was a pretty dire circumstance and that the second time around, because he had beaten it once, they thought, but it came back, uh, did this uh, rare form of brain cancer. Uh, he uh, did pass away, but we did uh, raise a uh, crap load of money, I guess we should say. And he loved hearing me say yeah. that because uh, he, <laughs> he, he, he loved uh, when I was a little bit more honest and uh, abrasive like that. But uh, Ben was a gentle soul, a great guy, uh, always supportive of the stuff I did at Union College. And Union was uh, trying to give back to him uh, in this whole thing uh, to get him back to campus before uh, the final sunset of this whole situation. Unfortunately, he didn't get back there, but... He is back there. He will be watching over uh, that game this weekend, I am sure. So to yeah. Ben's family, uh, our condolences, 
uh, to our union football family uh, that knows Ben, or even if he didn't, it, it hits hard when it's this age. You can't be serious that people are dying of cancer at this age. I mean, it's one thing when you look at these you know, communicable diseases. It's another one's cancer. It's like you can't predict any of that. Uh, it's hard enough predicting COVID, but you really can't predict cancer and F cancer, put simply here. Yeah. We will see you guys this weekend and then next week with uh, more uh, episodes, episodes 11, 12, and who knows, maybe a 13th episode as well. But until then, thanks for joining us on this live show and good luck to you and your teams. May they play well and may you enjoy the results of their work.